Chapter Four of the Boy Scouts and the Blue Ridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts and the Blue Ridge by Herbert Carter. Chapter Four. After the Storm. Thad remembered that on several other occasions the southern boy had mentioned the name of his little cousin, and was always with a certain tender affection to the soft voice that stamped him for one who had been born below the Dixon line. And while Bob White had not seen fit to take his friends into his confidence, it had always been plain to Thad that the other must have cherished a deep affection for the said Bertha, perhaps since he had no other sister of his own she may have been as dear to him as one in those times when he lived among the blue ridge mountains before now thad had strongly suspected that bob had some other object in coaxing his comrades to make the pilgrimage to the land of the sky besides the desire to show them its wonders and now his own strange words proved it more than that it seemed to have some strange connection with the same little cousin, Bertha, and naturally with her legally appointed guardian, Reuben Sparks. Thad, first of all, managed to pass the word around in a whisper, just as Bob wished it done. The boys understand there would be a reason back of the request, and expected that their comrade would take them into his confidence later on. Besides, they had really never had the slightest chance that any one of them would breathe the name of quail in connection with bob indeed most of them would have to stop and think if suddenly asked what his real name was so seldom did they hear it mentioned the man on horseback was chatting with allan with several others he did not hesitate to ask questions and was soon put in possession of the fact that they were merely members of a boy scout patrol making a strenuous hike through the big smoky spur of the blue ridge Thad saw that he eyed them queerly many times, as though rather doubtful whether they were giving him a straight story. But the coming of the storm soon held the attention of them all, just as they expected. It was a real thing in the way of a summer storm. Oh, the lightning flashed in a way that was not only dazzling but fearsome, as Smithy expressed it in his elegant way. And as for the crashes of thunder that followed each and every electric current, the deafening ears of the scouts. A dullage of rain fell in a short time, and the rush of water nearby told them the little stream, which they had struck many times during the afternoon, had all of a sudden become a raging torrent. Nobody was sorry when finally the racket began to subside, and the rain stopped as quickly as it had started. Be done for, remarked Bumpus in a relieved tone, as though he had been half suspecting the stream might rise in its might and sweep cabin, scouts, and all down through the valley. The resident of the region, who had also sought shelter in the friendly cabin by the wayside, looked out first to assure himself that his horse had come through the storm safely. Then he called out goodbye and, mounting, rode away. Good riddance to bad rubbish. I take it, declared Giraffe, whenever the fire flashed up, that gent would look around the queerest way ever, even though he kind of thought we might be revenue agents playing a game on his friends, the moonshiners. 
Be careful what you say, Giraffe, advised the cautious Thad. When you're in enemy's country, you want to take and use soft words. Besides, you're only guessing when you say that he was naturally curious about us. Some people would think a bunch of boys stark crazy to try and hike through such wild country as this, when we could have taken a good roads up in New York State, had orchards all along the way, and good-natured farmers galore to buy milk and eggs from whenever we got hungry. I hope you won't be sorry you came down this way, Bob White spoke up. I take it as a great compliment. Believe me, that you all would care to keep me company when I said I felt that I just had to come back here on a visit to see what changes there were and do a little private business in the bargain. I'm aware of the fact that there isn't anything much worth seeing here except the untamed wilderness. But there's always plenty of excitement going around, I understand. I should guess yes, broke out Stephen. With that old thin daddy hanging around with his eyes on the watch for revenues. But see here, Bob, don't you think you owe us a little explanation about this racket, meaning your relationship with the gent who is guardian to your sweet little cousin Bertha? So say we all, chorused Davy Jones, Giraffe, and Bumpus solemnly as they gathered around the southern boy. Bob White looked at their eager faces for a minute before speaking. There was something akin to real affection to be seen there as he turned his eyes from one to another of his mates. The boy from Dixie had not been in the habit of making friends easily in the early days, but when he, landed in Cranford, had soon been captivated by the sincere companionship of Thad Brewster, and when he joined the new patrol of scouts, he quickly learned to appreciate the many good qualities that marked the other members. Yes, it's only fair, boys, he began slowly, yet with an evident determination to take them at least part way into his confidence, that you should know just why I didn't want any of you to tell the name of my town we hailed from. When that man was here, he would have recognized it as my new home, and might have suspected that I brought you all down here for a purpose. But you did, interrupted Bumpus, to admire the scenery, rough it a while in the land of the sky, and show us something of your native country. If there was anything more, we didn't know it, Bob White. But we're comrades, one and all, and if we'd do anything to help you tide over some trouble, why, you just got to tell us now. That's fine of you, Bumpus, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart, continued the other. But let me tell you a few things before you make such a rash promise, which I'm not going to hold you to. The man who is in this cabin, Reuben Sparks, is said to be the richest and meanest in these parts. It has been hinted more than a few times that he's always been thick with old Finn Daddy, but no matter how he came by his money, he is something of a miser. No relation to you, I hope, then, Bob, asked Stephen. None whenever, replied the other proudly. The quails would never have descended to common methods that man has practiced in order to make money. But somehow he managed to gain an influence over my Uncle Robert, after which I was named, as you may guess. When the father of Cousin Bertha died, in his will he left the child solely in charge of Reuben Sparks, until she came of age and he was also given control of her little fortune. The boy ground his teeth hard together, showing how even the recollection of this moved him. But recovering his customary calmness, he continued. She was the prettiest little thing you ever saw, 
take my word for it and no boy ever thought more of his pet sister than i did of my little cousin my father thought it a shame and he tried to get possession of her but this reuben sparks had the law on his side and all our efforts failed after that he would never let me see her so great was his hatred for our family well, one way or another we managed to exchange words and when our folks went up north to look over the mills my father had purchased before his death i had just two letters from bertha before something happened and they stopped coming of course i suppose that her guardian had found out about it and fixed matters so no letters of mine and i sent seven before owning up beaten in the game could reach her i just stood till i couldn't sleep nights thinking that perhaps she was made unhappy by the cruel man and so i made up my mind i'd come down here again and find out the truth if i had to steal into his house and see bertha without his knowing it i want to tell you this before believe me addressing thad in particular as the head of the patrol while his fine eyes held up on account of his emotion but somehow i couldn't bring myself to do it and now after hearing my story briefly if you all feel that you would be asking too much of my comrades to expect to have their backing in my wild scheme please don't hesitate to say so and i'll think just as well of you in either case thad reached out and caught the quivering hand of the southern boy in his own why bob he said earnestly i think i voice the sentiments of every fellow in the patrol when i say emphatically that we're going to stand by you through thick and thin i'm sure you won't do anything but what is right and what is bound to reflect credit on you as a true scout how about that fellas move we make it unanimous cried bumpus instantly aye aye that's the ticket exclaimed others you hear what they say bob white remarked thad warmly we'll back our comrade up even to kidnapping the cruel guardian and rescuing the pretty little cousin smithy declared with unusual vim for him oh said bob with a smile as he looked from one flushed face to another of course i don't imagine i'll ever go that far boys but i thank you for the expression of your friendship i'll never forget it never while i live and i only hope that some day in the future i may be able to repay the kindness to one and all then i take it that this reuben sparks does not live in a great way beyond where we happen to be camped right now remarked allan i expect to show you the place some time tomorrow it is worth seeing upon my word replied bob now i know there's a whole lot of truth in that old saying about the devil taking care of his own giraffe mentioned the rest of you heard reuben say that he had been tempted to stop under the big tree we passed on the way here but on second thoughts decided to come along to the cabin when that one terrible crack came he got as white as a sheet and told me he believed that the very tree must have been struck where would reuben have been if he'd stayed there kind of scattered around the landscape i guess thad had just started to say that it was time they thought about getting supper going when he was interrupted in a most disagreeable manner indeed for the moment all idea of ever wanting to eat again in this world vanished from his mind for something occurred that caused the scouts to rush toward the end of the cabin where the chimney stood and catch hold of each other in sudden terror and dismay End of chapter 4 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan